Welcome to my first ever episode of In the Clutch. Today, I will be interviewing a sports writer from the Wall Street Journal. But before that, a quick word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Leo from After the Podcast telling you guys about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Fingerette Law. They specialize in helping clients protect and preserve their assets for their loved ones. It's great. I have a lot of know a lot of people who use it. They love it, and I really think you should go check them out. It's located in Allison Park, Pens- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You guys should, if you guys live around that area, you guys should definitely go check it out. If you need anything like that, they're perfect for you guys. And now back to the podcast. Now, I'm going to tell you who our guest is. We have from the Wall Street Journal, as I already said, Jason Gay, sports writer. And Jason, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm very honored to be the first guest on, this is called In the Clutch? Yep. Wow. Well, it's a real honor for me, and thank you very much for asking me. Thank you for coming on. All right, so before we get into the questions I need to ask you, I asked some of my top viewers from Sports Time what questions I should ask you. So right. one of them, so the question that responded first was, and thank you, um, uh, Eileen Fingerette, for requesting this. Um, what are the chances of the U.S. women's soccer team discrimination lawsuit being successful? And what do you think about that, Jason? Wow, we are starting with some good, serious stuff right off the top. I like it. Um, listen, it's uh, not a field of expertise for me, uh, you know, workplace discrimination in terms of what the probabilities are of the lawsuit uh, succeeding. I can tell you what my opinion is, which is I think that they are, you know, grotesquely underpaid when it comes to what the men are paid and the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, or USA Soccer, rather. Uh, You can look at the impact the women's team has. You can look at the impact or the comparative lack of impact that the U.S. men have had. You can look at the numbers in terms of television ratings and so on. And it just feels like they're not doing the right thing here. They're not doing both the right thing, and they're not doing both the logical thing as well. And I feel like... Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Keep going. No, I would just say that I think they have an excellent case. Uh, I, 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 I'm not terribly good at predictions, so it's hard for me to uh, give you a, a, an informed opinion about where I think it's going to head. But I, I absolutely feel that they have a strong case. But the other part of it is, candidly, I think that, like, I don't understand why USA Soccer doesn't just do the right thing here. Like, it's not like there's some sort of voluminous precedent that they have to accommodate for because it doesn't there aren't hurt other precedents. Well, say this was some sort of sports federation where, you know, they represented basketball and baseball and football and hockey and a million other things, and they were worried about a precedent. If you do it in soccer, then I'll... But this is just the United States Soccer Federation. There's not going to be a third party coming into this. I don't understand what sort of precedent they're concerned about. So, in short, you know, I, I think they have an excellent case. I think it really frustrates the team. Mm-hmm. I think it frustrates their fans. I think it's costing Agreed. PR. And you look at something like the other night. 13 goals scored in the opener. 
and the men surpasses the gold the gold total of the men <laughs> yeah i mean and and then you know i got the opportunity to be there leo i was in france for the opener and oh, that wow. stadium is all americans it's all americans who are crossing the atlantic most of them with kids most of them with family members who play the game the influence of that team is profound, and I think it's time to pay up. And I'm going to say, so in a hypothetical situation, okay. if they say, all right, we're going to pay you more, does this start enforcing different teams, different U.S. Women's World Cup teams to start saying, oh, America's top of the world in Women's World Cup. If we want to be like them, we have to pay our women more. Or if they say no, are they going to say the U.S., a great team, doesn't pay their women a lot of money. Do we not have to pay our women a lot of money this to is have a, a trem- good team? This is, a, this is a tremendous point. I agree entirely. The, the, the potential for there to be positive impact on the sport globally is huge. The United States is actually behind in terms of uh, pay equality for men's and women's soccer against some other you know big soccer nations. They do have their act together a little bit more than some other places. And, you know, as you can see by the level of competition, they sometimes face, particularly in the early rounds, you know, not every nation is terribly advanced when it comes to women's soccer. So, yeah, you're absolutely right that there's a potential here for the United States to positively impact the game globally. And that's another motivation to do the right thing here. I also just think it's common sense, man. It's like how many people can tick off five players on the u.s men's roster right now not that many these women players the u.s women's national team these are celebrities alex morgan is a celebrity megan rapino is a celebrity i mean these are big time professional athletes in america and to your point the men's didn't qualify for the world cup yes they did. They played maybe three games and they're getting doubled the money that the women's get when they win the world cup when they won the World Cup against Japan, right? A while and this ago. is and this is based on this sort of like very sort of dubious logic of okay, rights fees and how much money are the men getting of the television piece of the pie? What is the U.S. soccer organization getting from television rights fees? Uh, and and yes, a men's World Cup in 2019 commands a stronger dollar on the media market than a women's world cup does however if you're sort of like to proportion you know to to, mm-hmm. to take the proportions out of that fee how much of the draw of a world cup is the united states men's national team not yeah. a big deal i think the rest of the world did perfectly fine without having the u.s in the in russia last year it's much Were harder. the united states women to not be at france it would be a huge deal it would be crushing for it. So proportionally, they're a much bigger deal. Yeah, and before we move on to our next segment, yeah. I would like to say that the U.S. women's team, like in Sports Illustrated, when I was mm-hmm. reading it about who should you pick because the men's team isn't going to the World Cup, it wasn't like an immediate, oh, my God, we're so sad our team could have won and they didn't even qualify. This was like, all right, nothing unexpected, unusual. So let's just pick a new team. And this is, and it's not the same for the women because they're actually good. That's like saying that's if Brazil didn't qualify for the, if Brazil men's yes, team didn't qualify. That's a, 
that's that's I think that's a perfect analogy. Um, can I ask you a question? Oh uh, yeah. What do you what did you think of the thirteen goals? Do you think that they should have laid off in the second half and tried not to score? Do you think they over celebrated? Because I know people have been talking about this in the last couple of days. And this is also a question I got from viewers that okay. before I before I after I answer your question, I'm going to say, I don't think it would have really mattered. They they scored 13 goals. I think some celebration is good. They don't you don't need to lay off if you're playing World Cup soccer. Yeah. And then this question is, if the men's team celebrated too much, would anyone be commenting on it? I think if the United States men's soccer team scored 13 goals in a World Cup game. I would walk outside and look for pigs flying in the sky because you and I both know that that is not going to happen probably. So it shouldn't even go to hypothetical. It's not even a hypothetical to consider, frankly. Um, I mean, this was a historic performance by the women's team. And yes, like they were thoroughly a better team than Thailand. I think it's a very tall ask to tell a player to not score a goal in the World Cup and to not celebrate scoring a goal in a World Cup. Yes, in an optimal world, you know, it would be like, you know, you know, I don't know what you call peewee soccer where everyone kind of just, you know, stops keeping track of the goals and then everyone goes out for ice cream after the game. But it doesn't work like that in in the World Cup. And the rules are it's it's both serious but also Goal differential is quite literally a category in terms of a tie-break situation. Now, is it likely that, you know, had the United States not scored 13 goals, they wouldn't advance? Probably not. They would be probably perfectly fine with a 4-0 win. But it is in the rules that that it does definitely dictate the idea that you should pour it on when you can pour it on. Yeah, and now moving on. To the okay. next segment, we are going to be talking about NBA free agency, and oh. I've been I've been really excited because this is a big year. You know, you got the Zion draft, John yeah. Moran, R.J. Barrett, but from what I've been seeing, or a report two hours ago came in from Bleacher Report saying that Kyrie Irving is prepared to join Brooklyn, but is Kyrie Irving actually Brooklyn bound, or is this just <clears throat> false news? I can't tell you, like, you know, a confirmation one way or the other. I think it's interesting that he made a agency change in the last 24 hours. I believe he's going to leave his current agent, if he hasn't already, and sign with Rock Nation, which is Jay-Z's uh, sports agency. And Jay-Z uh, is a big Nets fan, so... He's a Nets fan. I wouldn't draw too much of a link there because he had to actually disenfranchise from the team when he went into his agency. So he actually doesn't have a stake in the Nets anymore. And as far as I can tell, I don't think he's around the team terribly much at all anymore. Um, But, yeah, it seems like there are indications that Kyrie is very interested in coming to Brooklyn, uh, which is interesting when you consider all the hypotheticals about him joining the Knicks uh, not very long ago. It's also interesting because the Nets have a young shooting guard and uh, D'Angelo Russell had a tremendous breakout season this past year and wants to be a net. And so how is that going to be managed? It's going to be another question. And also, I mean, I'm curious to get your opinion about this, but uh, you know, the Nets had a very nice season this year. No question about it. Yeah. Seventh seed coming back. Yeah, but 
bad years? I don't think as it's less as their roster is currently constituted. Could you in any situation argue that the Nets have talent that is anywhere near what Kyrie had with him in Boston? All right. Could so this takes this is going to take. This is not like if Kyrie wants to join the Nets, it's yeah. not the right year for him. I say you go sign a three-year deal with another team and then come back to Brooklyn. Because then Jared Allen in his prime. Joe Harris, if he is still knocking down threes. Um, yeah. D'Angelo Russell in his prime. And, like, these players, they don't have that much experience. D'Angelo Russell's first playoffs, Jared Allen's first playoffs. Like, yeah. they're young core and Karis LeVert recovering. They need to explore what they can do with this core before they decide, all right, we're we're ready to win. And well, we I think that they, I think that you're right that they are very much a young team and a work in progress. I I I think though that like many many teams that have kind of had a whiff of success, they feel like if there's an opportunity for them to strike, they need to strike. And if they have a player like Kyrie Irving who's inclined to come. Uh, why not take advantage of it? Now the question is like, okay, I where don't. Do, where think, do they put I, him? Oh, I think that they would probably have to move Russell. Um, I don't think there's any question that they'll move him. I don't think they they envision a situation where they're playing side by side. I don't think that can really work. Yeah. I do think though that's just one part of the puzzle. I do think in addition to Irving, you need another star, and you know one of the things we haven't talked about yet, but. You know, we lost uh, possibly the best player in the NBA uh, earlier this week, Kevin Durant, to an Achilles injury and probably miss all of next season. Yeah. That's not going to diminish the market for him. It's going to sort of change the way people think about it. But I think he's going to get franchises, including the Nets, including the Knicks, including some others who are going to be willing to pay him a max deal, even though he probably will not play a minute for them next season so that sort of changes the complexion of the whole nets conversation too because you're talking about okay you got player x and player y and player y you're not going to see next year yeah ironically and i would never in a million years compare andrew hayward to durant but it's sort of a comparable situation like in the respect that You know, Kyrie and, and Andrew Hayward were kind of brought aboard this sort of, you know, new version of the Celtics. And Andrew Hayward. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Gordon Hayward. I'm right. so sorry. Gordon Hayward. Why did I say Andrew Hayward? That's know. so funny. And now, so the uh, Rockets, who signed Chris Paul, four-year yeah. max deal. Now they want to trade him. And teams are open to trading, you know, doing a deal. But yeah. who's the player that? they need to like push this team over the edge do they need a point guard who can maybe who's like primary is passing and is closer to their prime or do you need someone who's a little bit older more like chris paul but is better that's a really good question i i mean i think that like the Rockets are kind of this experimental team, right? You know, they have a very interesting general manager in Daryl Morey, who has shown, you know, a real willingness to take gambles, to make big moves when he needed to. And he's already sort of signaled at the beginning of this, you know, offseason that 
everybody on the team, not just Chris Paul, but everybody on the team, theoretically including James Harden, is available. Um, that they're not going to stand pat and just watch, you know, other people sign anyway. They were going to be aggressive in terms of player acquisition, and if it means moving people, they will. Now, I think a question Could for you them, ever see them moving games? Pardon? He's I, like I, I, I highly doubt team. it. I highly doubt it. I think that's the kind of thing you say when you're, you know, trying to not offend somebody on the team, like a Chris Paul. I think you just yeah. say everybody's expendable. But I think what for the Rockets case, I mean, that was a team that was effectively built to beat the Warriors, right? This was the idea. The Warriors beat stopper. The Warriors. They were like, it's like Nasir Whittle against Zion. He's the Zion right. stopper. <laughs> yeah. So I think that they're going to have to sort of, I don't know if you can do this preventatively or you have to kind of wait to see what happens with Golden State. But we know this. Golden State is not going to have Kevin Durant next year. He may be a warrior. That's possible. But he's not going to be on the floor. Uh, so that does that change the sort of outlook of what the um, Rockets want to do? Uh, notwithstanding the fact that the Rockets did go down to the Warriors, the Warriors without yeah. KD. Um, I think I they like their chances the, without him. I would say that the Warriors in the regular season – and I'm just saying this, might be better without KD. I mean, not in the playoffs because Steph isn't as good, but they won 73-9 and without KD. So if I'm saying you get a player that can replace not Kevin Durant, but who used to be in that role, which was Harrison Barnes, if you get someone like him to play, I think that the Warriors can kind of push Kevin Durant away and say, you've done what you needed to do. But now we feel like we don't need to use money to sign you well, back when we could get yeah, a mean, cheaper, younger player. It's kind of a moot point, though, because we know he's not coming back next year. And if he comes back to Golden State, he's probably just going to opt in for a year yeah. and we'll see how it goes from there. So there's no real worry. You know, there's not even much of a point to argue about what Golden State is like without Durant, because we know they're going to be without him next year. Whether he's on the roster or not is a different question, but, like, they're going to be playing without him, um, you know, with the probably the most marginal outside chance that they would see him at the end of the season or in the mm -hmm. playoffs. I wouldn't get my hopes up for that kind of thing. I just don't think that Achilles things are things people rush back from. I think they're more fun to watch, you know, with, without yeah. Durant, because just they go a little bit more ISO and ball-stopping when Durant, but... I yeah. just feel like the fact of the matter is that, you know, he was this incredible sort of in case of emergency break glass yeah. option for them, right? You know, when things weren't going their way, when Curry was having a bad night or Clay was having a bad night or Draymond was having a bad night. He was night, like, he was like their, their savior almost sometimes. He was. And let's not forget, he's the two-time defending finals MVP and 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 that is as prestigious as an honor as you can get in basketball because it means you yeah. did it when it mattered the most. So, uh, you know, I would not say that they're a better team without Durant. They're more pleasurable to watch for sure, but better, I don't know. Yes, and um, so you were talking about Achilles, which I believe Demarcus Cousins suffered. He's not coming. He, I don't think he's going to go back to the Warriors. It just doesn't seem like they really fit. And yeah. me, and but number one, can Demarcus Cousins ever come back? And number two, 
the only team I could really see him on is a team like that does. I don't see him like ever recovering back. I could see him like being more like a third option for a team like the Hawks, who would be just running, who he would be used for in the paint because him, because Trey Young and John Collins run the pick and roll already. Mm-hmm. But will he ever recover? I mean, I don't know. I think he had a pretty good year when you think, you know, where he was this time last year, which was a guy without a team and without a, you know, real sense of what kind of recovery he was going to have from his Tons Achilles injuries. Injury. He took a tremendous pay cut to go to Golden State for a year. This was basically at his own risk. I think he played well when he played. I think he, you know, whenever you sign a guy who's coming back from an Achilles injury, your expectations kind of have to be zero, right? So I think he's overperformed those those expectations. Uh, Whether or not you're sort of asking, can he return to what he was before as kind of like an all-NBA type player? That's a good question. I mean, no one's getting younger, right? Um, The question for somebody like DeMarcus, though, is like, where where does he fit in to a team? Sorry? No, I was saying you said no one's getting younger, and then I said besides Vince Carter, because yeah, he's like going to stay. So. He's staying in the league. Uh, yeah, he's, Vince Carter just does not want to retire. I think with Cousins, I think a question for him is like, how does he fit into basketball in 2019? <laughs> right, you know, and I think he showed uh, with the Warriors that he can be uh, fit into a sort of modern basketball offense. Yeah, you're spreading the floor and, and shooting threes and so on. Um, I think this was a really good move for him playing this year in Golden State. And modern basketball brings us right into our next point, which is as the NBA has been evolving, there have been more players from Euro leagues and teams out of this country and people coming yeah. from out of the country to play. Sure. And so the Mavericks have shown that they want to make a big three of all international players, which means they are. Nikola Jokic? No, not Jokic. Vucevic. They are trying to sign Vucevic. Do you think that Vucevic, Porzingis, and Luka would work? Or do you think that too many people are sharing the spotlight? I really want to see what Porzingis looks like. I mean, this is a guy who missed, you know, now close to a season and a half uh, recovering from a knee injury. And, uh, we didn't, you know, there was some thought we might see him at the end of last season. We didn't see him at all. So I'd like to see that. Uh, Vucevic, I don't know what he is, you know, he's not. Sorry. No, no, and this just brings up the point that the Mavericks didn't need to give away all this stuff. Like, the Mavericks could have waited till free agency to sign a recovered Porzingis. Which really makes you think that maybe they made the wrong decision trading this early. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, and that makes logical sense. But I do feel like there's pressure on every team, of course, to act. I feel Mm -hmm. like people don't have patience in the way that they may have. I mean, many, 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 many years ago, the Boston Celtics drafted Larry Bird when he was a junior, knowing he'd have to play one more year in college. This was back when you could do this kind of thing. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's against the rules. But, like, you know, they showed patience for a long-term plan. I think more likely you're seeing things like what we've seen in Toronto where 
the Raptors go and they take a great risk. They trade their all-time leading scorer. They trade a guy who really likes being in Toronto. They get a new NBA coach, never coached the NBA before, coached college. But but in Kawhi, they took a risk because they signed a guy who everybody said, look, he's gone, man. He ain't staying in Canada. Forget about it. So as soon as you're out, he's going to bounce. And lo and behold, you know, he led them to, you know, the best Raptor season of all time. He is the most successful yeah. Raptor there ever was. And it was a huge gamble. Um, and... I disagree with that. Um, oh, I got to really? say Vince was, Carter say... was the best Raptor ever. Vince oh, Carter, not only. You might, you, 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 you might be alone on an island or an ice floe off the coast of Newfoundland. I don't think a Canadian alive would agree with you. I think yes, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, sealed up the Kawhi, best Raptor of all time. He, if Carter's Kawhi, like the third time leading scorer there too. He's not even number one or two. It's just the energy that Carter brought to the team. And I think this would be a totally different story if hypothetically the Raptors win the finals. Because if the Raptors win the finals, then I think there's a higher chance of Kawhi staying in Toronto. Because he sees, oh, I can... I can win. Like, I don't need to go to the Clippers who might sign Kevin Durant or DeMarcus Cousins is interested in them and a lot of, and Kyrie, because they have so many max deals. I can just stay here, sign two-year deal, and keep winning. I mean, the two-year deal is a little bit of an ask on somebody, right? Because he's a really tremendous player and he should have as much contract security as he should want i think it makes the most sense for him to stay in toronto i think that you know players with it's his team that he's living the fantasy man he's got the 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 country behind him the city behind him and a team that embodies him uh that is that is what every player wants now listen you can't force somebody to like a city you can't force somebody to like cold weather um and maybe in the heart of hearts he just doesn't want it he is an enigmatic guy we know this he is you know unto himself he is quiet he's a chill dude um that's why people love Mm -hmm. him uh so it it, it, you know it's never happened as far as i know that 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 an nba all-time player like that has left a championship team so you're going to see it one way or the other. You're going to see it either happen with I mean, Durant and the LeBron Warriors James, so, you or know. do it with, uh, do it with, um, sorry, Kawhi. No, I mean winning a title and then moving the year after yeah. winning the title. And LeBron I agree lost. With, I agree with you on that. But if, like, teams, no, no we're just going to move on because hypothetically I would say the best chance that Kawhi has is either with the Raptors or with the um, Clippers. And this brings us into the last thing I want to talk about, which is can Tobias turn around a small market team? Because he's been been hinting. He says, I don't need a big market team. I just want to – he never said he wanted a big market team, which is why I think if he goes to my Utah Jazz, my favorite team, I think he could turn them around – um, do you think that Tobias Harris could turn around a small market team such as the Utah Jazz? Okay, let's take this premise. What is like 
the matter? What what is what is to buy? I mean, Utah's not like a team on the skids. They're a reasonably good team. They, uh, you know, they didn't yeah. do a great, you know, damage uh, this season, but. Uh, they definitely have a core of players who are talented. Uh, is Tobias Harris the the answer? I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't think Tobias and you know Tobias Harris was he went to a better roster in the Philadelphia yeah. Sixers in a less strong conference, and he couldn't put them over the top. I don't know if he puts Utah over the top in the West, which will mm-hmm. be a much more challenging conference than what the Sixers were up against. I don't know. I, you know, the Jazz are sort of a fascinating team because they are, yeah. they have a lot of talent. Looks like Rubio is on his way out, right? And that, and there are a lot of players they could slide. And now, last final question. Okay. It's it's about it's about you know it's about Zion. Yeah. If if Anthony Davis. Yeah. If the Pelicans draft Zion, which they should and they will. Um, is Anthony Davis, is he, do the Pelicans feel more open to trading him now that they have more of a franchise player? Or is this like, no, Anthony Davis, you're staying here right now? I, I mean, this is a great question because it sort of speaks to who has the leverage here. Uh, the Pelicans are under no obligation to deal him. They do not have to trade mm-hmm. him away. They might determine, though, that they have a player who doesn't want to be there and all indications are that he does not want to be there uh and so rather than deal with that headache let's take him now when he has max value you know he's not started the season poorly he's not blown out his knee you know he has he has real value as a top 10 nba talent and let's try to get as much as we possibly can get for him and that seems to be the way that New Orleans is going. I'm not a great fan of what's going on. I, I, I really would love to see, yeah. you know, Zion and AD and Drew Holiday, who I think is a tremendous talent too. That's a really fun uh, top three, you know, group there. And that would be a competitive team, which is definitely a playoff team if Zion is anything what we think he's going to be. Uh, so I think it's kind of a shame, but that is the, you know, that's what yeah. the the Pelicans are up against. They have a guy who doesn't want to be there. This is the time to move him. If you're going to move him for and the most, get... and, and, the, and it has to probably has to happen before the draft, because if the Lakers are going to be a factor in this, that number four pick that they have yeah. is, you know, you want to have That's... that pick. And thank, and thank you, Jason, for coming on. Can I ask um, I just want to say, yes, you can ask me. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned at the top you have a sponsor for this podcast. Who's your sponsor? Well, I was gonna like probably I'm kind of breaking down the fourth wall here, but okay. I was gonna edit in a little thing about him right when I said from my sponsor, and then we come back because no, it feels so stressful, you know, and that stuff. And <laughs> right now, as we recorded, it is nine oh three on a Thursday, yeah. and I need to go watch my Raptors destroy the Warriors. So thank you for coming on. And you're not going to tell me. You're just. You're just. You're not going to tell me. What I was trying to do is compliment you because I feel uh, um, this is such a tremendous podcast, and the fact that you have secured a sponsor shows that you're quite an entrepreneur. And the, my only request is that when you come for my job, which I know is only days or months away, 
mm-hmm. just be be humane about it. You know, I, I have children at home that I need to take care of. And, yeah. you know, let me be your assistant or something when you take over the world, okay? All right. Um, thank you once again. I appreciate and it. to all the listeners, um, you can go to anchor.com if you want to talk to us personally, ask us what to say about it, and write us a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and send feedback, and we are open to feedback and questions, and Thank you for listening. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.